Hello to all the Club Talk users of Sports Bet. My name is Rithima Patek. And uh, let me assure you that today is going to be a lot of fun because guess what? One of the most loved cricketers across the world is about to join us. And you feel free to ask whatever questions you have from him and go ahead and just type it in. And we're going to draw these questions to him and he'll answer it. So I'm sure you're going to have a lot of time. All the fans across the world, this is the time. This is the moment where you just want to put in your questions and send it over to none other than the man who's feared by all the batsmen across the world. It is Brett Lee. Welcome to Behind the Bet with Brett Lee and let's call the man over and once again to all the Club Talk users a big hello from me, I'm Rudhima Patek and let's have Brett on the show and let's get this show rolling. Hello Rudhima, how are you doing? Nice to see you and hello to everyone that's uh, watching and listening in. I have to say Brett, it is such a pleasure to see you, it's been a while and of course nice. all of us, all of us in the middle of a pandemic but then this, these are the kind of moments that we all wait for. Absolutely. Look, it's um, it's been a, a different time. It's been a horrible time with what we've been through, but uh, hopefully we can bring some joy to some people tonight who are watching. So once again, I just wanted to remind all the viewers here that all you need to do is just type in your questions and we will for ask them here, right here, Brett will answer them. But before that, Brett, let's just start with something that I want to know. Uh, tell me about your early days in New South Wales and, you know, you playing cricket with your brother, Shane. Get me those, you know, let's just walk down the memory lane and let's just remind everybody how it all started for you. Yeah, look, it, it's, it seems like a long, long time ago now, but uh, to me it was always about, you know, my dream and passion was to one day play for Australia. But to get to the Australian cricket team, you have to make those teams before. So the first sort of cab off the rank, if you use that expression, was to play for New South Wales. And for me, I wanted to wear that baggy blue cap. So... All my efforts and training went into wearing, you know, that baggy blue cap and playing for New South Wales. And that was a the thing I sort of realised most and, and recall most about that being chosen in the state team was the step up, the, the difference in the level going from first grade up to first class cricket was a totally different step. One that I thought would not be as great as it was, but it's, it, I thought it'd be a lot closer. But, yeah, just the, the, the different way that people... They, you know, the way they trained, the way that they performed, the mindset was totally different. So that really then, I guess, um, educated me on how I can be a better cricketer. And then that next step up to Australia was even a bigger gap. So I was like, wow, this is going to be a good challenge. Super. But we all know that you're always up for a challenge. And here we go. You're on the <laughs> show and we are flooded with questions already. We've got the very first question from Lone Druid here. So Lone Druid has a question for you. And uh, the question is, what's your favorite form of cricket? Do you think test cricket is dying due to the more glamorous T20? Here we have it. Lone Druid is asking, what's your favorite form of cricket? Do you think test cricket is dying due to the more glamorous T20? Oh, hello, Lone Druid. Firstly, nice to, nice to see you. Look, I, I don't think test cricket is dying. I, I'd like to say that test cricket would hopefully keep improving because, you know, for me personally, it's my favourite format of the game. Um, I love all three formats of the game. You know, there's obviously test cricket, one-day cricket, T20 cricket. There's even T10 cricket now that's going on around the world. But for me personally, it's test cricket because that's where it's at. That's where the all the skill levels come into play. 
Um, they test your challenges and your, your mindset, you know, your stamina, your endurance, um, that mental strength over five days. It's a bit like an Indian wedding. It goes for a long time. Australian wedding's like a, a one-dayer. An Indian wedding's like a test match. It is, isn't it? But these days, none of that is happening, Brett, I have to tell you. I think, in, I think this pandemic has changed the way Indian weddings are going to take place, for sure. We've yeah, learned the hard way. Yeah, look, it's or, as I said before, it's a challenging time, but um, let's hope that things get back to some form of normality as quickly as possible. Which reminds me, I have to thank you for your generous contribution and uh, thank you so much for, you know, contributing. And also, which also got me intrigued is that your interest in cryptocurrency. Tell me more about that. Oh, look, I just think it's a different option. You know, when you think about the ways that you can invest into the market, the ways that you can look at having, um, you know, some different form of, you know, money value, the cryptocurrency, you know, for, for, for me personally, is where it's at. There's been so many changes that's happened over the past sort of four and five years with cryptocurrency, but um, it's a good opportunity. And, I'm, you know, I know that speaking to a lot of people that have invested in cryptocurrency, they love it. They love the freedom. They love the opportunities and what it can bring. So as I said, there's the normal way to do things and then there's sometimes there's a different way to do things and sometimes a better, you know, like a much better option. No, absolutely. The world is seeing that. All right, coming back to cricket. Brett, when you were at the peak of your career, who else mm. impressed you as a bowler? Well, look, I'd have to say, um, you know, when you think about what I used to do, and that was try to bowl fast, I think about Shaab Akhtar. I mean, we had some wonderful battles. Um, I used to love playing in Shaab. I used to love watching him bowl because of that raw pace. Uh, Alan Donald from South Africa was a guy that I used to love watching um, a bit before my time. I didn't, I got him at the back end of my career, but look, he was a, a phenomenal athlete. And the reason why I started wearing the white sweatband was because of Alan Donald. You know, he wore one, so I thought, well, why, why can't I wear one type of thing? Um, you know, there's some wonderful Indian bowlers that we we played against throughout, um, you know, the early 2000 series. Um, you think about Zahi Khan, for me, with that beautiful shape to shut the ball back. Irfan uh, Batan was another good bowler, another left armour. Uh, Ajit Agarka, they were the sort of three that I sort of played against mostly. Um, but, look, there's, there's heaps of bowlers around the world. But, yeah, probably show back there because that that raw pace. Oh, yeah. Raul Pindi Express. All right. We've got another question here. We've got Jofil joining us with a question. And uh, his question is, what is your greatest achievement in all these years of playing cricket? That's the question that Jofil's asking. Your greatest achievement. Thank you. Um, thanks for that, that, that beautiful question. Look, it's a, it's a tough one because um, I don't like to pick anything personal, you know, because – you could pick a fifer or you could pick when you get a, a decent score. Not that I got a decent score that, that often. But for me, probably the, the 2003 World Cup, um, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, was against India. But just the that. way that we prepared for it, you know, and it, to me, it, it's so many years ago now, but just the way that we prepared and, and the way we won, the style of cricket which we played, the, the sort of mateship was so tight and it was a beautiful environment to be in. So I'd have to probably go, that would be up there at least at the top of the tree, 2003 World Cup. Super. So I hope that answers your question, Jofil. Also, thank you for the question. We've got another question from Rohang. And uh, Rohang is asking, what advice would you give to a young aspiring bowler? Should they prioritize pace or direction swing spin? That's the question. Hi, 
Yeah, look, th that that's also a good question because a lot of uh, boys and girls ask me this question at cricket training or in the nets or in the street. Um, what should they focus on? I, I always say that the, the easiest answer for me with this is, is to work on your pace. First and foremost, work on getting your pace up to what you believe is your maximum velocity, your maximum pace. Then you can work on the little fine parts of the game, uh, a bit like a golf swing. You know, you don't really work on all your, your sort of fine chipping and, and shaping the ball both ways. You know, you work on the power hitting, like batting, work on your power hitting, and then you can refine your skills. Like bowling, if you want to be a fast bowler, work on your powerful aspect, which is to bowl quick, and then you can work on the seam, you can work on the slow balls. If you want to be a spinner, obviously, then pace. It's not about pace. It's about how you, you know, the action. But for me personally, what I'd say to kids Work on your pace first, and then the swing and direction will then come after that. All right. I hope that answers your question, Rohan. Thank you so much. Which reminds me, how would you rank Australia's quartet? I mean, you know, Stark, Hazelwood, Patterson, Cummins, one to four. How would you rank them? Well, look, it's it's hard to rank them in terms of who's the better bowler because, you know, they're all top bowlers on their particular day. And without sitting on the fence and not sort of going, well, I believe this person. I mean, when you think of Pat Cummins, I mean, I'd have to rank him number one. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. He's a, he's a, a phenomenal uh, bowler. You know, you think about Josh Hazelwood's like Glenn McGrath when he was playing, beautiful line length. Mitchell Stark on his day when he shapes the ball back in, I mean, he's, he's, he's world class. Um, you know, Pattinson's a, a wonderful bowler. The other guy that to, to watch out for as well is Riley Meredith. Now, Riley Meredith, we saw him in the IPL, um, you know, coming in for the first time. He's played a couple of games for Australia at different uh, formats. 24 years of age, he's the next best thing in Australia. He's, he's watch out for him. Good pace, good kid, got a nice action. So, yeah, he could he could definitely be part of that, uh, that top four. Super. Here we go. We've got uh, another question here from uh, Teres. And Teres is asking, uh, what would you consider the most funny one in the dressing room? And do you remember any of those fu funny moments that you would like to share with us? That's the question. Well, Teres or Ted ZZ, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Um, it's a very, very good uh, name, that. Now, the, the, the most funniest person, we I've played with a lot of funny guys from Brad Hogg to Andrew Simons, but Probably the the funniest guy would have to be Glenn McGrath, just because he was always the um, almost like you know when you have a, a guy that sits in your classroom, he always makes everyone laugh. Yeah, he yeah. was always Glenn. Glenn's always like the class clown, a very intelligent bloke, very smart guy, but always found a way to laugh at his own mistakes or our like mistakes and have some fun doing it. A practical joker. My first game. Uh, I was sitting next to um, Adam Gilchrist, it was, and about to walk out, play against India, Boxing Day test, 95,000 people. And as I got up, Glenn had tied my shoelaces together and I almost fell over. So I almost wrecked my career before it started. But that was I see. Of, yeah, that was <laughs> the initiation back back into the team or getting into the team for the first time. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely probably the funniest guy in the dressing room. Super. All right. Here's we go. Another question we have from Suez S. Now, I don't know whether it's Suez underscore S or Suez S, but we've got another question coming in. And of course, we are flooded with questions. So thank you so much, everybody, for such a positive response. And uh, his question is, 
I remember you uh, rating Shivam Mavi very highly a couple of years back. How do you rate him now? What are the areas you think he needs to improve? Well, Shivam Mavi is a, a great bowler. I was I was working, um, you know, doing some work with Star Sports and looking at his action and the way that he throws his head back before he bowls the ball. Look, there are little technical things that he can work on, um, but he's still all class. I, I still believe he's a great asset to any side and, you know, can, can play a big role for India moving forward. So for him, it's it's making sure that he's he's hitting the crease hard, he's following through, uh, not losing his shape. He does shake the ball in, but if he can shake the ball away more consistently, I reckon that'll get him up to the next level quicker. Super. All right. Thank you so much for your question there, Swazis. All right. Another question, VJ94. And the question is, any regrets about not scoring a century with the bat? <laughs> uh, look, I, I've never scored 100, not even, even in the backyard. My two oh. brothers are fiercely competitive and they never let me score in the backyard ever. And it was crazy. Uh, my highest first class score is 97. And I got it against Victoria in the Sheffield Shield final back in 2006-07. And I was facing Peter Siddle. Uh, he was currently playing for Australia at that time. I smacked the ball back and he stuck his hand up and caught it, caught and bowled. And I was out for 97. I was like, oh, no. So I wouldn't say regret. I should have got 100 that particular day. But, look, it wasn't meant to be. So who cares? So be it. All right. But thank you so much for that question, Vijay94. I thought it was very, very cool. All right. Another question we've got from uh, Chu. And the question is, who do you see as the next Bretley amongst the current set of bowlers? That's what Chu is asking. Who do you see as the next Bretley amongst the current set of bowlers? Hey, Chu. Um, look, there, as I mentioned before, from Australia, there's Riley Meredith. There's um, Jai Richardson, who's also got some good pace. You think about um, uh, guys that play for India, Mohammed um, Sadaj. You know, I think he's he's definitely a guy that can can bowl that one fifty k's per hour. He's got good pace, um, gets some really nice shape. So he'd probably be a guy that I would earmark to be, you know, a next top tiered fast bowler. Because what we don't want to see either are, are guys because they're playing the shorter format of the game. Sometimes what happens is they they can tend to pull their pace back because they're working on a lot of slower balls and, you know, wide-line Yorkers. But you still got to bowl fast in all formats of the game. Now, just because you bowl fast doesn't mean you'll take wickets, but I think it adds a different uh, aspect or a different sort of uh, string to your bow when you talk about what you can bring to the table, what, what you can bring to the team, what you can add value. So pace to me is important in all three formats of the game. And over the years, we have seen the pace decline a little bit. We haven't seen guys hitting consistently 150Ks an hour. You know, we now talk about 138, 140, good pace, where I still want to say good pace is over 150, personally. Nice. All right. Thank you so much for your question, Chu. And, you know, Brett, since we're talking about pace and since we're talking about fast-moving formats of cricket, and like you very rightly mentioned, T10s here, I hosted it very recently, you know, with with cricket becoming shorter and shorter and people shortening the span of attention, how does one revive interest back in ODIs? And if you were to change a rule to sort of reinvent 
the interest that people had in ODI once upon a time, what rule would you change? Um, probably, probably the rule I would change is, you know, the amount of bounces that you can bowl in and over. I'm not saying be able to bowl six bounces and over, but maybe give the bowler one extra in 50 over cricket, you know, maybe put, put that up his sleeve. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the wickets be a little bit more conducive to, to fast bowling, you know, because what we don't want to see in 50 over cricket is, you know, three, 350 plays, 320. You know, I still think a good one-day score is 280. You know, that, that to me is a, you know, a, a good score to chase down or even a two like a 270. Because what happens is if it's a high-scoring game, um, you know, you get the stage after 20 overs or the 30 over mark, between 30 overs and sort of 45 overs, there's a bit of a lag where, you know, it's just the ball's not doing much, batsmen are scoring freely, the bowlers aren't really in the game, they're there just to sort of help the batsman on its way. Whereas if you put a bit more of that, you know, the bounces in a bit more of a juicier wicket, not saying a green top, but a bit more of a juicier wicket, then it might add a bit more flavour. So through that middle period, that's normally a bit dull, that there could be a bit more exciting for the fast bowlers. Superb. All right. I think we should try that. But yes, that's how it is. You've got another question from uh, Joe Mack. You've got Joe Mack joining us with a question right here. And his question is, how different is winning the Ashes to any other test series? I love this question. <laughs> yeah, Joe Mack, good question. Uh, look, as a kid growing up, it was always Australia versus England, you know, where if you if you play cricket at, at any club level, that was always the big series. You know, Australia versus England, the Ashes. Uh, that that is the cream of the crop when you when you're growing up. So yeah, look, it's it's obviously different because when you tour England, there's a lot of hype. There's a huge media interest. Um, so that that's always fun, and it's always a fun trip. But also too, what what is becoming now a good series is Australia versus India. You know, that's definitely up there now with the plays because of how hard it is to tour India. You know, with Australian players touring India with the different wickets and the spin options. Um, obviously, pre-COVID with all of the be big, beautiful crowds there and 100,000 people, that that is also the, the, the next best thing. So, yeah, I'm putting that on a, an even par now, India versus Australia and India. Sorry, Australia versus England, the Ashes. Yes, yes. Clearly, there's a lot of interest in India versus Australia now. But uh, having said that, which gets me, since you're talking about England, who do you think is going to win the World Test Championship, the ICC? <sighs> it's going to be a tough one because you've got to look at the conditions. And if it was played in India, obviously, let's take COVID out of it. If it's played in India, you'd have to say India. India are hands-down favourites. Because it's played in England, because it's uh, the different conditions, I think the ball will swing around a fair bit. England are used to these conditions a lot more than India. Not saying that India won't adapt well, but it's only like you've got to adapt quickly. That's the thing. You know, when you're playing a test match, you've got to adapt very, very quickly. Otherwise, the game's done and dusted. So I'd probably say that England at the moment on paper, you'd have to say favourites, but I wouldn't write off India because I think India, to me, I'm not worried about India's batting. If Indian bowlers can get it right, then India can definitely win because they can bowl quick. They're a quicker unit. They can swing the ball around. If they use that ball the way it should be used and swing in those conditions, then I would say India. All right. Okay, so moving on, we've got another question here coming in from uh, Slissy. 
And the question is, who is your role model in cricket? Hey, Lucy. Uh, my my role model in cricket, when I was playing, it was probably my older brother, Shane. You know, he was always my captain. Um, being an older brother, he sort of showed me, I guess, the rope, showed me how to go the next level. We both had the pleasure and very, very fortunate to play one-day cricket for Australia together. We played 21 matches. And to think about, you know, two two guys from the same family playing in the same Australian cricket team, it's pretty pretty rare. You know, we hear about the Chapel brothers and the Hussey brothers and the Lee brothers, and that's, to me, something I'm very, very proud of. So he was probably my role model growing up because I want to emulate what he had done. All right, all right. That I hope that answers your question, Slissy. Another question here from Samir004, and the question is, India is dominating world cricket right now, just like Australia did in the early 90s till 2010. According to you, what are the major factors to this upside in Indian cricket? Hey, Samir. Uh, look, I honestly think it's got a lot to do with the IPL, and I believe it's got a lot to do with the, the different coaches that have come throughout the last 12, 13 years of the IPL, foreign coaches, because I think that what's happened with the IPL is that there's been so many things that Australian players have learned from the Indian players and also Indian coaches. And I think there's been so much that's been learned from the Indian players, from foreign coaches, just different ways to train. So I think we've helped, helped each other. And I believe that's really helped India. You know, when you think about, India throughout, you know, mid early mid-90s up to 2000, you know, they were a good side, but in terms of their fitness, they probably weren't the fittest team going around. Um, you know, they, they knew how to win cricket, but they didn't know how to win games consistently. And it wasn't until I reckon that partnership of um, Vivius Lakshman and uh, Raul Dravid, where they batted the whole day, that then was, a, I think, the turning point in Indian cricket. They... They could match Australia. They could beat Australia. They they knew that they could own Australia and, and match at that level. So the aggression that they show on the field now is fantastic. The the way they train is fantastic. You look at Coley's fitness. I mean, he's one of the fittest cricketers in the world. Outstanding. You know, the young guys are training a lot harder. So I think that the IPL has been a major factor that's helped the Indian cricket team because of the different opportunities to learn how different you know, cultures and teams train differently. Also a platform which, you know, sort of highlights talent from various other rural parts and, you know, young talent that get an yeah, opportunity to get on the... Yeah, that, right, that, that's, so that's a really good point. Just finishing up on that, it, it's... Yeah. India's now has got a, you know, a much uh, better grassroots program too. So there are, you know, it's not just Mumbai and Delhi now, guys getting chosen that are from a, you know, a nice family and have the opportunity it's guys that, that come from the rural villages that don't have a lot in terms of any money behind them, but they've got some really good uh, coaching scouts now. So they are getting picked up and they are fantastic cricketers. Yep. All right. So our comment section is buzzing, Brett. So I, a big shout out to everybody in the comment section right now. Everybody's saying that uh, you're one of the prominent cricketers in the country and uh, a lot of love coming towards you, Brett. So you might want to say something to all the fans out there. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you. Shukriya, as they say sometimes. <laughs> All right. So here's another question. We've got SK Master asking you a question. The question is, who was the toughest batsman to bowl to in all formats of cricket during your playing career? That's the uh, question. 
it's funny when I when I have a chat and we we do things in in regards to India, I, I need like a placard. I need to go Sachin Tanduka, Sachin Tanduka, because he he features in so many of my answers. And um, look, uh, SK Master. I mean, you know, when you think about Sachin Tanduka to play against you know the the little master, I mean. How can you not pick him as one of the best batsmen, the toughest batsmen? How can you not choose him? Him and Brian Lara, two totally different players, both world class. But I have to go to the little master because of the battles that we had. He's, I mean, he's just phenomenal cricketer, phenomenal, incredible. What, what would you say was it about Sachin Tendulkar that made him tough to bowl to? Well, firstly, he had a beautiful technique. He had an impeccable um, technique, which... You know, you, you have a look at batsmen and you try to suss out very, very quickly what's their weakness. You try to work out how can I get this guy out? Is there a gap between bat and pad that you can slip the ball back through? Well, no, there wasn't. Um, was he was he scared of the short ball? No, he wasn't. Did he have – was he rushed for time? No, he had a lot of time. So you think, geez, all of my key things that I would try and work out about a batsman – they, they didn't add up with Sachin because he had always always had a way to counter that. But you talk about technique, you talk about his te- his temperament, you talk about the way he played the game. But to me, it was his mind. I mean, he had, a, he had a wonderful cricket mind and a very competitive cricket mind. And look, I've I've known Sachin now for a number of decades, and I've played pool against him. I've I've done. Um, you know, 10-pin bowling against him. I've played table tennis against him. I've gone go-kart racing against him. He wants to win, and I want to win the whole time. He wants to win. He's a competitor, and that's what made him so good. Super. All right, another question. Once uh, We've got very limited time left, so I just want to tell everybody, you, we, we apologize. We won't be able to take all, all right. of them. But uh, here's another question we've got from, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's Mechulis. And he says, can you share the most exciting memory that you can never forget in your career? Thanks, McQuells. Uh Most exciting memory that I can never forget in cricket. Well, spoke about the World Cup, um, test match, bowling my first ball in a test match, probably my baggy green cap. That's a an exciting memory because it's a it's a treasure. It, it's a it's a, a gift. You know, you got to earn the gift. But to have a physical hat that I can look at even today and just, you know, I'll smell it. I go, it smells like beer, it smells like sweat. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the memories. It's, it's the, you know, that amazing fabric that I wore on my head, um, you know, for 76 test matches. So, to, you know, for me it was getting that baggy green cap for the first time would have to be, you know, a memory that I can never, ever forget in cricket because it's so special. So beautiful. Brett, what was your favourite comeback delivery? Um, probably the in-swinging Yorker. You know, there have been plenty of times where I've been belted for fours or sixes and that happens around the world. You get you get punished sometimes. But the comeback um, delivery I used to like the most was probably the in-swinging Yorker and to see the stumps fly. I mean, that was, that was pretty exciting. Which YouTube video of yours would you want to watch again and again? Since we already mentioned about your favorite memory, I'm sure that's that's on YouTube. But other than that, a YouTube video that you keep watching again and again? Oh, I don't watch many YouTubes of myself. Um, 
but the ones I've seen probably uh, there's a there's a montage someone made. I think it was some Indian fan made about me knocking the stumps out, and there's a you know it goes for a few minutes of my one day test in, in 2020 where the stumps are flying. So I used to love taking a wicket and see the stump do a cartwheel. That was pretty exciting. It's on there somewhere. I'm not sure what it's called, but I don't know. Look it up, I guess. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, we've got another question here. And uh, the question is from Khalid J. If you weren't a cricketer, what would you be? Uh, Khalid J, thank you. Uh, you know what? The, the best way for me to answer this is I was always going to be a cricketer. There was never, there was never the fact I, I never... I always had different options and you know, I worked in menswear and I, I, I still work in that same place today. I still got a job there and I still sell clothing like I was doing before I played for New South Wales. So, you know, that was back at the age of 17. So I always had something else to fall back on, but I didn't do it for that reason. I, I did it because I wanted a second passion in life. But for me, I was always going to be a cricketer. So when someone would tell me, um, you know, what would you have done? Well, I would have done cricket. And if I wasn't good enough, I would have became good enough. I would have trained harder than anyone else. And so many times I was told, you're not good enough. You're not going to do this. So I had doctors say that you've got to break them back, try a different sport. I'm like, no, because I want to play cricket. And if you want something hard enough and long enough, and if you're passionate for it, you can definitely achieve it. It will come to you. All right, we've got another question here from Rohang. Rohang is asking yet another question he wants. And this, this the question that he wants to know from you is, what is your favourite venue or stadium that you have played in? That's the question. Your favourite venue or stadium that you've played in outside Australia and why? Well, you, you'd firstly, so I'd say Lords because of, you know, they, they call it the home of cricket because of the history and it's a, a great place to play cricket. Um, but then I'd go when Caddy. I think that's a it's a, a great place to play. It's small, it's intimate, it's a it's a nice sort of cauldron sort of feel. Like you sort of feel like the crowd's really on top of you. But then also too, I'd have to go to Eden Gardens. You know, when you think about Eden Gardens, which I played there for three years for KKR, and back then it was a hundred thousand people, and probably about a hundred thousand people lined outside that couldn't get in. So that to me, th those three grounds. Outside of Australia, definitely my favourite. Super. All right, we've got about three to four minutes remaining on the show. So very quickly, I'll qu quickly take as many questions as I can. So we've got Ritz21 asking, what do you consider as the biggest breakthrough in your career? That's the question. Oh, Ritz21, hi. Uh, good question. Uh, I mean, they've all been terrific questions tonight. Biggest breakthrough in my career. Probably um, probably when I, I could realise I could actually bowl quicker than most people in the world. That was, you know, at the age of about 17 or 18 when I, I hit 150 Ks the first time. That was the, the thing where I thought that was the, the, the difference between me and someone else is my pace. So that would have to be the breakthrough, extra pace. All right, so it's extra pace was the breakthrough. We've got uh, another question coming in. And uh, this one is from VJ94 here again. So here's a, one more question from VJ94. Yeah. So the question is, how superstitious are you? 
And tell us about the number 58, your Australian jersey, domestic IPL, big bash jersey. Everything was 58. What's the significance of 58 for you? And there you've got 58 yet yeah. again. Let's just... Uh, look, I'm... Uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm superstitious. It's more so preparation. So I put my left shoe on first because it was routine. You know, I knew that left left shoe, tie my shoelaces up, right shoe, tie my shoelaces up. I had a bit of a thing that I used to do before I went out. So maybe people might say that's superstitious. To me, it was routine. Um, 58 was because I, I love the number eight. Eight's my lucky number. And I also love the number five. And I wanted to sort of... I try to get number eight uh, for Australian one-day cricket. That was Brennan Julian. I try to get number five for Australia, my second favourite number. That was Steve Waugh. So I went, well, I'll combine the both, and that became 58. And now 58 is one of my lucky numbers. And it's funny that when you have a lucky number, you sit down at a restaurant, whether people do it on purpose or whether it just happens, I'm often at table 58. It's crazy. It's weird. Really? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, with that, I think we've taken all other questions. Let me let me see if there are more questions coming in the comment section or something. But uh, one second. I mean, that's all the time we had, though. But we've flooded with a lot of questions here. But before I go, I have to tell everybody that one lucky winner will be chosen by Brett. So whoever he thinks was, has asked the best question, he's the winner. And he's going to get a signed cricket ball. Hey, hey, uh, him or her, whatever. So he's going to get a signed cricket ball from Bretley. And of course, we're going to be announcing the winner later today. So you have to stay tuned to Club Talk because this yeah. is where the winner will be announced. But Brett, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. And look, I mean, 35 minutes or so goes very quickly when you're having fun, doesn't it? So we'll have to do this again. I'm looking forward to the next one that we do. And, and hopefully, you know, you tell all your friends and jump on and join and um, and have a chat. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun, that, you know, tonight my time and obviously afternoon your time. So um, please stay safe, though. That's the most important thing. We had a lot of fun tonight. It's all about enjoying ourselves and we talk about cryptocurrency and we have a lot of fun. But make sure you stay safe over there and um, look after, you know, yourself and, you know, your family as well. Super. Now, before you go, Brett, because we have flooded questions, I'm going to take this one last question because oh. I don't want to disappoint this person. The question is, what is your favorite? We all like your Hindi song, Ha Main Tumhara Hoon. When are you going to sing your next Hindi song is the question. Ha Main Tumhara Hoon, Tumhara Hira Hunga. Well, I've, I've, I've had plenty of time in isolation or quarantine, so maybe I should have Bit more time. I have played some guitar a fair bit and been putting a few songs down, a few a few new tunes. Um, who knows? Maybe there might be something coming out. I do not a Hindi song, but I do have a song written with a friend of mine, a uh, a current Australian musician. This is the first. No one knows this. Here's, here's a scoop. Uh, it will. It will be breaking news. It will be coming out later this year. So I have written a song. Stay tuned. Watch this space. All right. And we also have a request on the comment section, of course, that do you have your guitar nearby by any I chance? Do, but it, it's broken. It's broken. Oh, wink, oh wink. man. <laughs> <laughs> and my voice, uh, you know, oh, my fingers are sore. <laughs> excuse, excuse, excuse. Maybe, uh, maybe next time. Maybe next time. 
All right, maybe next time. So well, that gives you a reason to stay tuned to club, you know, all to all the club talk users. Just stay tuned to Sports Bet, yeah. and we're gonna have Brett sing his new song <laughs> on the guitar, which is not broken. We'll see how we go. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Brett. This is a good lot to see. Of fun. I hope everybody. Okay. Thank you. See you. Bye bye. Bye bye.